Our scripture reading today is from Romans 15. The passage can be found on page 10 in your bulletin and is also projected above. I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge and able to instruct one another. But on some points, I have written to you very boldly by way of reminder, because of the grace given me by God to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles in the priestly service of the gospel of God, so that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. In Christ Jesus, then, I have reason to be proud of my work for God, for I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience, by word and deed, by the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem all the way around to Lyricum, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. And thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation. But as it is written, those who have never been told of him will see, and those who have never heard will understand. This is the reason why I have so often been hindered from coming to you. But now, since I no longer have any room for work in these regions, and since I have longed for many years to come to you, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain, and to be helped on my journey there by you, once I have enjoyed your company for a while. At present, however, I am going to Jerusalem, bringing aid to the saints. From Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make some contribution for the poor among the saints at Jerusalem. For they were pleased to do it, and indeed they owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have come to share in their spiritual blessings, they ought also to be of service to them in material blessings. When therefore I have completed this, and have delivered to them what has been collected, I will leave for Spain by way of you. I know that when I come to you, I will come in the fullness of the blessing of Christ. I appeal to you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ, and by the love of the Spirit, to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf, that I may be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea, and that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints, so that by God's will I may come to you with joy and be refreshed in your company. May the God of peace be with you all. Amen. The word of the Lord. Thank you, Bailey. Okay, kids, uh, on that Trinity Kids Bulletin, you can find the spot to jot down those things to listen for. And here they are. Uh, Jets football, favorite Christmas gift, and then the gift of giving. So Jets football, favorite Christmas gift, and the gift of giving. So with that, let me, uh, let me pray for us. Father, we ask now that the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts together would be pleasing in your sight. O oh Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Lord, we pray that you would draw near to us now uh, and that your spirit would work with your word uh, to do what you desire in us. We thank you, Lord, for your good purposes for us every single time that we come to your word. And so we, we look to you now and we pray that uh, we would ultimately come to see your son, that we would love him, that we would worship him, that we would follow him in all the ways that he leads us. And we pray this all in his name and for his glory. Amen. Uh, from fifth grade to eighth grade, 
a, a pretty big part of my life was uh, my little league football team. And um, we were called the Northland Jets. And uh, so we spent many, many hours at that field, a whole lot of really fun Saturdays. And uh, as, as usual, like the, there were other teams in the area, but you know, you think your team is pretty special, like that there's something different about the way that we do things, right? And so that was certainly the case for the Jets. There was this kind of healthy team pride. And um, one of the ways that we reinforced that and kind of um, and, and made that a part of us was through some chants that we have. And so they would go something like this. You would, one would yell, who are we? And then everybody responds, jets. Say, who? Jets. Who? And you go back and forth like that. And then we'd do one that was this. Who are we going to beat? And then you fill in whoever we're playing that week. And that's what we say all week. Raiders. Who? Raiders. Here's my personal favorite, though, of all of them. What are they going to remember? And the answer was, how hard we hit, all right? What are they going to remember how hard we hit? And back and forth and back and forth. And, uh, and so all these things uh, epitomized what it, was, what it meant to be a jet. And so it was this way that you would, kind of re- you, you would remind yourself over and over again, this is who we are, and this is what we do. And then when we lost, which we also did a fair bit of, um, the coaches would, would say things like, guys, that's not who we are. That's not the way we play. That's not Jets football. You guys have forgotten who you are and what we are all about as a team. And uh, the the reason I I, I mention that is because uh, that same thing can happen for us as the church as well. And and here's what I mean by that. We, We can end up forgetting some really important parts about who we are as a church. And most of the time when that happens, it's not because we're, we're, we're intentionally setting something aside. It's because we've gotten distracted by other things that are happening and you see the work that is right in front of you and so you focus on that and we can unintentionally then lose sight of other really important parts about who we are. And one of the areas that that shows up most, I think, is in our call to be a part of God's mission in the world. And part of the reason for that is that there's just this natural, almost gravitational pull inward. We're just focused on on what's right in front of us. And and so uh, part of what Paul is doing in this passage in Romans 15 is he's reminding the church and telling the church in Rome about his own ministry. So he had been uh, specifically this uh, minister to the Gentiles. He was an apostle to the Gentiles. So he was to go to these these places uh, where, where people had not ever heard of the God of the Bible before. They didn't know anything about these promises about a Messiah coming. And so what, what, they, what he was called to do then was to go and tell them about Jesus. Here's the thing, though. That actually wasn't a, a new mission for God's people. Uh, th- this had actually been God's plan from all along, all the way back to the promise that he made uh, to Abraham in Genesis 12. And so he tells Abraham there, Abraham, I'm going to give you a great name. I'm going to make a great nation of you. And I'm going to bless you with so many descendants that they're going to outnumber even the stars in the sky. And here's why I'm doing that. I am blessing you in order that you will be a blessing to the world. You, Abraham, and your descendants, Israel, are going to be the people through whom this message of God's salvation is actually going to go to the ends of the earth. And if you're at all familiar with the Old Testament, you know that Israel did a pretty poor job of that. Uh, that they, they failed to be this light to the nations, that they experienced this sort of uh, gravitational uh, pull inward and, and through their own sin and idolatry failed to do that. But Jesus comes along then 
as the one who is the true and faithful Israelite. And he fail, or he succeeds where Israel had failed. Now here's where we come into the picture. What Jesus has said to us as his people now is that now, church, that is your mission. You are to be the people through whom this message of the gospel is, is to go to the ends of the earth. And, and, and the way that this works is that we as those who have tasted of, of the riches of God's grace are to be those then who share the message of God's grace with those around us. And so part of what this section of Romans 15 does is it shows us some of what it actually looks like to participate in God's mission in the world. And so that, that's what I want us to, to look at today. And, and one final word about this though before we, uh, before we jump into the passage. Um, there are a lot of reasons this is important. And um, we could look to this passage uh, at, at many different times in our life as a church. But there's uh, one that I think is really especially important for us right now. And it's because we're about to move into our new building. Be sometime next year. And of course, we are super excited about that. All of us are really looking forward to it, right? Um, uh, here's the, the reality of this, though. Uh, part of what that means is that right now, and really for the last year, and it'll continue to be this way, there has been so much time and energy and focus that's devoted to, to making plans for that move into the building. It, it, it requires us to focus so much on what is happening inside the church, and it has to be that way. There, there, there's just so much to do. Here's the danger, though, that can arise in, in that circumstance. It could be that we get so wrapped up with, with the plans of our new building that we end up losing sight of this most basic calling that we have to be a blessing to our neighbors. And it wouldn't be because we mean to do that at all, right? But it's, it's just because we're, we're so focused on what's right in front of us that we, we can lose sight of this huge part of who we are and what it is that we're called to be. And so what Paul reminds us of in this passage is that we as the church are to be an outward-facing community, that that is who we are. That uh, in the words of, of William Temple, he says it this way. He says, the church is the only organization that does not exist for itself, but for those who live outside of it. And so that's some of what I want us to look at today uh, in this passage. And so every week we're asking and answering that question, uh, how do we embody the gospel in our life together? See it this, this week. We embody the gospel in our life together by participating in God's mission in the world. By participating in God's mission in the world. And so um, I wanna frame this uh, by asking that question. How can we participate in God's mission in the world? And we'll answer it in three ways. Here's the first. It's by proclaiming the message of the gospel. By proclaiming the message of the gospel. And so what Paul does is he describes a, a good bit about what his ministry actually looked like. But if you notice, uh, he starts uh, by talking about what his motive is. In, in ministry, and he mentions actually three different things. One is this, for Paul, all ministry begins with the sense, uh, with the experience of the grace that God has shown to him. So verse 15, but on some points I've written to you very boldly by way of reminder, so here he's talking about all the things that he's, he's already written to them about in this letter. He says, uh, because of the grace given me by God to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the, God, to the, to the Gentiles. And so part of what Paul is saying here, and he says this in other places as well, is that at the heart of what is motivating him to move into the lives of, of these Gentiles is the grace that God has shown him. He's experienced the, the, the grace, the forgiveness, the love, the new life in Jesus. And now 
because he has experienced that for himself, he wants other people to experience that same thing. And so there's a sense in which uh, he can't help but talk about Jesus now because his life has been so transformed by Jesus. And uh, kids, this is actually the way it works uh, in a lot of uh, our lives as well, uh, in a lot of different areas of our lives where um, we talk about the things that we're really excited about and that we love. And so you probably already know this, but as of today, we are officially six weeks out from Christmas. Christmas is on a Sunday this year. Six weeks from today, it's happening. And uh, I would guess that if I were to talk to uh, most of you or ask you, uh, have you already identified the gift for this year that you really, really want? You would say, yeah, absolutely. Um, And so here's what I want you to do. I want you to imagine uh, yourself on Christmas morning opening that gift. And I want you to think about how excited you're gonna be when that happens. Now, think about this. Is it gonna be hard for you to tell your friends about that gift? No, it's not gonna be hard, right? Is it gonna be hard to talk about that with other people? No, of course not. Well, why not? Well, because we, we love to tell others about what we really love. And that's actually some of what's happening to, to, for Paul here. And it, it happens with Peter and John in Acts 4 as well. They're before the Sanhedrin and, and they say, we can't help but speak of what we've seen and heard. It flows from, from having experienced this, this life-changing grace of the gospel in Jesus that then results in talking about it with others. And, uh, and I think this actually might, end, might be one of the most important things for us to see because I think part of the reason that um, we don't uh, talk as much about outreach and evangelism is because the moment we do is that we're plagued with guilt. We immediately think about what we're not doing or the, the neighbors that we're not really engaged with. And so we, we feel all of this guilt about it. And what that does is it motivates us for a time, like, okay, I gotta do something, right? Because I don't wanna feel this way anymore. Uh, a couple of huge problems with that, though. One is that guilt is a horrible motivator. It never lasts. And all of us have felt that in one way or another. The other problem with that, though, is that that's not Paul's motive. Nor is it the motive that's put forth in the Bible as what would actually move us into the lives of our friends around us who don't yet know Jesus. The way that uh, Leslie Newbigin puts this is he says, mission begins with a kind of explosion of joy. It begins with having experienced this new life in Jesus. And then that actually propels us into the lives around us. So that's the first motive he mentions. Here's the second. Paul says that his ministry is an offering to God. There's this Godward dimension to it. So uh, verse 16, he says, that he, by this grace that, that's been given to him, to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles in the priestly service of the gospel of God so that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. So he, he describes his work here as priestly. And there are actually five different words here that are, are very unique uh, priest-like terms describing this ministry. And, and, and there's a whole lot we could say about this, but what Paul has in mind here is that his ministry to the Gentiles and them coming to faith is now this offering that he presents to God. Not an offering that, that of course, earns him anything with the Father, but a, an offer of gratitude because of what God has done for him. And so it keeps him oriented towards God in this. And that, that, that's part of what's driving him to, to, uh, to serve God in this way. So that's the second motive. Here's the final motive. Paul recognizes that God is the one who's at work. 
that God is the one who's at work. And that's what he's talking about uh, in verse 19. Look back there. He says it's by the, the power of signs and wonders. Obviously, Paul is not able to bring that about on his own. And it's by the Spirit of God. In other words, it is God who is at work in Paul's ministry. And that's why he can say what he does in verse 17. Uh, you might have caught this when Bailey read it and thought like, wait, what is he saying here? He says, in Christ Jesus then, I have reason to be proud of my work for God. You hear that thing, Paul, that doesn't really sound like you, right? Like to say something like that, you're one who's talked all about how what the gospel of grace actually does is eliminate any ground for boasting. And of course it does do that, but it, it, it eliminates grounds of boasting in and of ourselves. And so what, what Paul is saying, uh, he goes on to explain in verse 18, he says, for I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me. He's saying, I know that it's God who's actually bringing this about in my ministry. And I can be excited about that. I can be, I even have a sense of pride about that because I really know it is not me doing this. It's the work of God through me. And there are all kinds of really important practical things about this. Um, in RUF, um, one of the favorite phrases amongst RUF staff and campus ministers is the phrase, God is at work. And so it, it, the, the reason for that is that it is the constant reminder in the midst of all of the, the discouragements and hard things in ministry to know that God is at work. Even when you don't see it, God is at work. That, that, that he's the one who is ultimately gonna change hearts and change lives. He's the one who's ultimately going to advance his kingdom. He alone can do that. And so one of the reasons that's so important to remember is that uh, when you forget that and begin to think that it all depends on you, then you're gonna fall into to one of two traps. Um, one of them is, is that if things end up going well in and through your ministry, then you're gonna fall into this trap of pride. Because immediately you're thinking, well, I, I did this, right? This was on me, I did it, it went well, pride sets in. But probably uh, what's more likely the case is the flip side of that. And that's when things don't go well is to fall into this place of real anxiety and despair because it all depends on you and you failed in this. But the difference here of what Paul's talking about is that when you recognize that it is God who is at work in you, then you are free to be faithful to him and then just entrust the results to him. You're free to, to love your neighbors, to share the grace and love of Jesus with them and not feel like you've got to manipulate them or try to get them to say something that they don't yet believe. And instead, we have the opportunity to, to leave the results to him because he's the one who's at work. So that's his motive. But uh, what does his ministry then look like? What are the means of his ministry? If you look at uh, verse 20, he says that it, it's primarily the preaching of the gospel. And so for Paul, it's preaching the gospel, he says specifically, in places that haven't heard it before. So what he's doing is he's going from city to city and he's proclaiming the gospel and he's really planting churches. He establishes churches in these, uh, in these particular places. Uh, and that's, that's some of what is uh, unique to his call as an apostle here. And that, that's part of what's going on um, in the signs and wonders that he mentions in verse 19. These were things that, that authenticated this apostolic message that he had. But here's the point though. The point is that it's through the proclamation of this message that Jesus, uh, message about Jesus, that God by his spirit draws people to himself. 
It's in this message that, that Paul says is foolishness to the Gentiles and that's weakness to the Jews that, that people are drawn to Jesus. That churches are planted and, and, and become places where ministry happens. And so here's the question for us. What does that mean for us in our ministry? Well, it, it means one, that that gospel message has got to be at the heart of everything we do as a church. And so even in our, our core commitments, we say that we are a gospel-centered church. And the, the, the reason for that is because what we ultimately have to offer our friends and neighbors is nothing more and nothing less than Jesus himself. And it's actually through the, the proclamation of that message that people come to know him. So that's one thing it means. The other thing it means, though, is that we want to be a church that, that plants other churches. And so if you've been around Trinity for a while, pre-COVID, uh, you know that, that we talked more about planting churches at that point, and we actually had money set aside in the budget to begin uh, exploring different places in the greater uh, area of Fort Worth where we could potentially plant. COVID hits, things change for a time, right? Um, but in the last few months, we've actually begun talking and praying about that again. And so one of the things that, that I would love for, for y'all to do is to pray with us in that. Pray about possibilities that we might have to be a part of planting other churches in the city. We're doing some of that through Plant Fort Worth, but we'd love to be able to plant even directly out of our church at some point in the not-so-distant future. So that, that's some of what uh, the ministry of the church looks like. Uh, and and here's, the, uh, here's the thing. Uh, all of us are going to play very different roles in this ministry. And so it could be that, that, that for you, uh, your role might look actually pretty similar to Paul's, where I, I know some of you have incredible gifts of being in these really wonderful relationships with people who are not Christians. You put people at ease. You, you, you are the kind of person that people feel really comfortable opening up to. And so what that has meant is that you've had the opportunity to, to talk about Jesus in circumstances that a lot of other people wouldn't. Some of you have that gift. Here's the thing though. Not everybody has that gift, and that's okay. Uh, there are all kinds of ways for us to be a part of God's work in the world and to be a part of, of the work of the gospel going forward. And so that, that's actually where Paul uh, goes in the rest of this passage. So here's the second way that we can participate in the mission of God. The second way we participate in the mission of God is by giving to the work of the gospel, by giving to the work of the gospel. So that's where he turns in verse 22. So he's been out proclaiming this gospel message. He's been planning these churches. And, and he goes on to say that he's fulfilled his ministry. And that's just a way to say that, that he's been to all the places where God has called him. He mentions this need in, in verse uh, 25, and it's a financial need. Look back there. At present, however, I'm going to Jerusalem bringing aid to the saints. For Macedonia and Achaia I have been pleased to make some contribution for the poor among the saints at, at Jerusalem. Okay, so what, what, what's happening is that there's this need that arises over in the Jerusalem church. Other churches hear of that need, and they're ready to give to it. And so in, in verse 27, uh, Paul says that he uses this language of owing it to them. And so uh, here's what he's saying. Ver, look at, sorry. Look at middle of verse 27. He says, For if the Gentiles have come to share in their spiritual blessings, they ought also to be of service to them in material blessings. Here's what's going on. Paul's assuming, based on all he's already said in Romans, that because we are one body, we actually have responsibilities to one another, particularly in meeting these very real needs. And so in 
other parts of the New Testament, uh, he talks about the needs that, that arise within a local church. And so that's what we do, where we meet one another's needs in this body. What he's talking about here, though, is that, that there are these needs of churches in other cities. And so part of the way that he says you're going to be involved in the work of the gospel in other places is through your giving. And there are a lot of reasons I think that, that this is important for us to see. Um, one, though, is that I, I don't think that we genu- uh, generally think about giving as a real concrete way to be a part of God's work in the world. Um, when our church was just getting started, I was sitting down with a, a couple who were uh, new to our church. And the husband told me as we sat down, he said, he said I, have the gift of spir- or I have the spiritual gift of giving. I was like, it was so refreshing to hear that. Like, I, I've not heard many other people ever say that. What he was saying, though, was so deeply biblical to have identified that as a gift. And back in Romans 12, one of the gifts that Paul mentions is the one who contributes. And so it's worth recognizing here that that is a real gift. And it's a real way in which we can be involved in God's work here. And here's the thing. By God's grace... We are a church that has pretty significant resources for a church our size. And so one of the ways that we can participate in God's work is by sharing those resources. And there are all kinds of opportunities to do that. I want to mention just a couple of them. One is Jason and Alyssa Crum. Uh, They are in our midst right now. They are raising support to go to Ethiopia to work in a hospital there, hopefully sometime next year. They are in the middle of raising support, and they would love for you to be a part of that. Uh, ben and Anna Graber, uh, our missionaries who are serving with MTW in Munich, Germany, they were just here last week, and we'll get to hear from them uh, in a couple of weeks. Uh, they're working there in, in training pastors and, and church planning. They're in need as well. And you can go to our website, you can find all of our ministry partners there, and, and see all of the ways in which you can be involved in a very tangible way in God's work in other parts of the world. One of the ways that we do that is through our giving. One last thing here to see about uh, the way that Paul describes this. So he, he uses that language of, uh, of an obligation or duty. But then, verse 27, he says they were pleased to do it. In other words, they had so experienced the grace of the gospel for themselves that this, the, the, the message that had given them such a joy in giving, it had resulted in them wanting to and looking for ways to share in the needs of fellow Christians in other parts of the world. So we participate in God's mission through giving. Thirdly, and finally, uh, we participate in God's mission in the world by praying for the advance of the gospel, by praying for the advance of the gospel. And so this comes in those last four verses. If you look back there in verse 31, Paul gives them a, a couple of specific things to pray for. One, he asks them to pray that God would deliver them from those who oppose him. So apparently there were these unbelievers in Judea who were opposing him. So he prays, deliver me from them. And then secondly, he asked that, uh, that he'd be able to bless those saints with this financial need that he's bringing, that it will be acceptable to them. But look back up at verse 30. This is where I, I want to spend a little bit of time. I want you to see the way that he describes this ministry of prayer. Verse 30, I appeal to you brothers by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf. And so here's what he's saying is actually happening in prayer. When you pray for somebody, you are entering into their struggle, you are entering into their work and actually participating in their work by bringing them to God, 
by praying to God for them and bringing them before God. And so part of why I think that's helpful is that I don't think that's always the way we view prayer. That there, that, that there actually is this connection and fellowship that takes place there. And so when missionaries will, will invite you to participate in their ministry, they will always say the very first thing is to participate in their ministry through prayer because they know that's what they need. And that's what Paul is saying here, that as we, we, we struggle and enter into the, the difficulties of their ministry together, we bring those, those requests before God and he really is at work in that way. And so uh, here's the great thing about this one. Every single one of us can participate in this. Every single one of us can and should be praying regularly for those that we are sending out from our church. Um, part of uh, why we pray the way we do every week in uh, prayers of the people is to have a corporate time of prayer where we pray for another church in our city, those who are partners in the gospel with us, where we pray for those, uh, our ministry partners that are laboring in other parts of the world. So the, the point here is to see that, that one of the very real ways in which all of us can participate in God's mission in the world is by praying for the advance of the gospel. God is the one who hears that prayer and he delights in answering that prayer. Okay, so uh, let me close with this and pan out some. Um, what God has said here uh, to the church generally is that we are the people through whom this gospel message is to go to the ends of the earth. And, and what I want us to see is that that's not just a general call to the church, that's actually a specific call to us here at Trinity. That what God intends to do in, in our city and in other places where he gives us opportunity to do so is to be part of and some of the people through whom this gospel message goes to our neighbors. And that's not because what we're doing is so great or that we're really special in some way or that God needs us in any way at all, right? But it is the way that God has, has decided to and chosen to see this good news of the gospel go forth. It's actually through us. And so I want you to see uh, how Paul closes this section. And I want us to think about this as we think about our own ministry. He says this in verse 33, may the God of peace be with you all. And if you think here, uh, one of the great promises that Jesus, is make, that, that Jesus makes in Matthew 28 at the, the Great Commission, he, he's called them to go and make disciples of all the nations. The promise that he makes there is that he will be with them to the end of the age. That he will go with them as they go about this work. That's the promise that, that Paul is pronouncing over us here. He's saying that, that, that the God of peace, the, the, the one who has made peace with you through faith in his son, through the death and resurrection of his son, and the one who has made peace among us within his church as well, is the God who now is with you, who will go before you, who will never leave you nor forsake you, who will use broken, stumbling people like you and me to accomplish his purposes in the world. That is the God who is with you. And it's that God who's gonna complete the work that he's begun, and he has seen fit and chosen to use us to do that work. So Trinity, he has blessed us in order to be a blessing to Fort Worth and beyond. Let me pray that, that God would fix our eyes upon him and do that work through us. Father, we thank you uh, for the grace that you have shown us as your children. We thank you for the forgiveness that we have in and through your son, for the new life that we have in him now. 
And Father, we thank you for this mission that is ours as a part of his people. And so Lord, we know that we can bring about no fruit apart from your work in and through us. And so we ask, Lord, that you would bring about fruit. Uh, that you would be pleased to use us in all the ways that, that, uh, that you see fit and that we would give ourselves to that work, that we'd be found faithful. And in the midst of that, Lord, we would find great joy as we see our friends and neighbors come to know your son. We pray this all in his name. Amen.